Welcome back to the Joat Show on the Dion Family Network, Episode 2. A lot happened between Episode 1 and Episode 2. MLB is still in crisis. I'm not talking about that. I talked about enough in Episode 1, so we're going to talk about the positives. The NBA, NHL back, NBA in their current seeding games leading up to the playoffs, NHL jumping right into the playoffs with 24-team format with the top four teams in each conference playing a round-robin game amongst the other three teams. So this is going to be fun. Uh, the NBA, there's been a lot of games since Thursday was day one. So I'm not going to talk about every team. I just put the teams into tiers uh, throughout the first few days of games. And I'll just go through them, talk about each of the teams instead of each individual game because that's a lot easier. And no one wants to hear about the Jazz and Pelicans, even though they played on the 30th. And now it's August 4th. So let's start. Uh, NBA first category. I'm going to go bottom to top because the bottom two, te- I got two teams in the bottom tier. This tier is literally just called uh oh because they shouldn't be here. This format was made for the Pelicans to give them a chance at the playoffs, but they needed to give these other teams a chance to try to make playoffs, even though it doesn't really make sense. First team is Sacramento, who injured throughout the year, De'Aaron Fox up-and-coming player buddy healed also good solid player with a max contract but they're young and they look inexperienced and they looked overmatched even though going into this they were ahead of san antonio now san antonio just sits they sit tied with portland two games back of memphis at the time that i'm recording this but sacramento lost again san antonio although they looked good we'll get to them later and a loss to orlando again another team that looks good a playoff team, but the Kings just look overmatched. They're sitting at 28 and 30, uh, 28 and 38, and they're three games back of Memphis, which would trigger the playing game, except for the fact that New Orleans, San Antonio, and Portland are all sitting above them. And Phoenix is a half game back, and we'll get to Phoenix, but I have them a lot higher than most people would expect. So Sacramento, young up and coming team. Definitely need a few more pieces to add to surround Fox and Heald and Bogdanovich and Bagley. I think Harry Giles will be good for that team, but they're still young and they need more pieces, especially if they're going to try to contend in the West that has these, that'll have two teams, only two teams that got eliminated, and it's Minnesota, who has Towns and Russell and Golden State, who have been Golden State with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and their group there are going to be back with a top draft pick coming into next year. The other team in this group is Washington. They're sitting ninth in the East right now, and they are seven and a half games back of Brooklyn, still three games back of even trigger or four games back of even triggering the play-in game in which they'd have to win two between them and Brooklyn, who they've already lost two in their middle game. First loss was to Phoenix, who's looked really good but you still if you're Washington you don't have John Wall you don't have Bradley Beal Davis Bertans they're three arguably their three best players although they've had solid performances from Hachimura Rui Hachimura and Troy Brown Shabazz Napier Thomas Bryant but that's not that's not a group you want out there for a playoff series so they those are the two teams at the bottom Washington already lost to Brooklyn so I imagine them playing again isn't going to be too pretty, even though 
Brooklyn's decimated. We will get to them. Do I even? No, they'll they'll be around here somewhere. Finally, Washington lost to Indiana. We'll get to Indiana and the MVP of the bubble so far, but three losses, three solid teams you kind of have to give them credit for. But again, Washington, Sacramento, two teams that don't exactly does not that they don't deserve to be here, but look over well overmatched with the competition they have to play. And both of them have to play five and six more games respectively before they get sent home, most likely, unless we see a miraculous run from either of these teams. Moving on to the next tier, we got the fringe tier, which is almost playoff teams, but still teetering on the edge for whatever reason. And I'm going to go bottom top with this group because in six is Brooklyn. Lost to Orlando. Again, Orlando is a playoff team for sure. Beat Washington, but again, this is a team, although they'll make the playoffs, most likely play Milwaukee in, in the first round, who they play today, and are almost 19-point underdogs. So you can see where everyone thinks Brooklyn is. Everyone's waiting for Brooklyn next year. you got Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant coming back. And through this little free agency period that they have between next before next year, they're going to make a move. They're going to try to add a third piece to that team to make them even stronger. Although, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Vardy looked good. Spencer Dinwiddie, not there. Brooke Lopez, or not Brooke Lopez. Uh, Jared Allen. They have a solid team, but without two superstars in this league, they're not. I don't expect them to make much noise, and I don't think many people do. All right, fifth in the fringe tier, it's New Orleans, who are coming off last last night they had a win against or within the last few days a win against Memphis which is pretty big because now they sit uh two and a half games back of Memphis in the night or in the eight seed still though have San Antonio and Portland to jump over who we'll get to throughout this tier because the rest of the rest of those teams in the west are going to be in this tier just because there is such a close race and by the looks of it, there's going to be a playing game. It's just a matter of when and where and who. Well, I guess we know where, when, and who are the two. New Orleans opened up their first game, and they lost to Utah, who I don't think a lot of – I didn't expect that. I definitely picked New Orleans. I knew Zion wasn't going to play that much. He played 15 minutes and didn't play any crunch time, which I understand he left the bubble for family reasons for just over a week, but it's still – if you're going to limit his minutes, wouldn't you want to stagger them so that argue like one of your best players is going to be out there for the last three or four minutes of the game? I came back and lost to New Orleans, so starting off 0-2, or they lost to the Clippers. Starting off 0-2, the Clippers made 26 threes, shot 53%, and set a franchise record, and at multiple points during the game had a 30 35 almost 40 point lead over the pelicans it was a game they weren't in and was obviously every game is important to them but knowing that they're still had a game against memphis Zion played a lot more played crunch time and memphis we'll get we'll get to memphis but they it they haven't played bad in any of these games but new orleans 
they have a good unit, good rotation, especially for small ball when you can have Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, and Drew Holiday all on the floor at the same time when even five years ago that wouldn't be possible because a small forward would be out there that would be six seven six eight. although Drew Holiday is a great defender. Having J.J. Redick out there on defense, he knows what to do, but it's still if he has to face someone up one-on-one, it's not going to look good. He's a amazing three-point shooter and has scored 20 points and has solid shooting performances so far, but still, this team's going to go as far as, I mean, everyone would say Zion, but I have to say Brandon Ingram carries that offense. Everyone, once he was drafted or in the draft process, everyone said he looked like a young Kevin Durant, which isn't the most fair comparison, although he is skinny and lanky like Durant was but he still has he has the scoring touch he has a three-point shot and you never know what move he's going to make next he's always he's always switching it up he'll take a shot he'll pump fake and take it to the basket he's got long arms which is good for defense and getting to the basket so I think New Orleans I have them at five just because at four I have Phoenix who beat Washington they beat Dallas who will get to Dallas but Phoenix is definitely missing. Everyone is talking about how much they would miss TJ Warren, who we'll get to, but Devin Booker has put that team on his back and everybody else is showing up. I wasn't expecting Ricky Rubio, Dario Saric, Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne, who was in and out of the league for the last few years, but those guys have all really come together. And although they sit three and a half games back, if they they keep winning they keep playing the way that they do they're gonna have a chance even if they finish 10th or 11th I think they definitely jump Sacramento and they're gonna challenge there's gonna be five teams vying for these this one spot that's only gonna have that only two teams are gonna have the chance to play or have the chance to even make it and face the Lakers which once it gets the playoffs you don't know but not looking too great for whoever gets that eight seed. Next up, as we go through, these are all just what I just realized now that these are all Western Conference teams after Brooklyn six. So New Orleans five, Phoenix four. I have San Antonio three. They beat Sacramento. They beat Memphis in a very close game. That team, although young, still coached by Greg Popovich and still knows what to do. At the end of games, they were great they were solid and DeJounte Murray Derek White DeMar DeRozan they just have a lot of guys Lonnie Walker even Jakob Pertl they have guys who are not outstanding but they know how to play as a team they know how to move the ball well they know how to play defense they just do they do nothing great they do everything good they're a solid team and a team that's scary for a team like Memphis couldn't couldn't close out that game because of how versatile that San Antonio team was. DeRozan won't shoot threes, but it's okay because Derek White can pick up the slack. Murray, Walker, they again, they have these guys that are plug and play, and you can play them based on who is, who's hot that night, who's defending well that night. Whoever's having a good night, Popovich has that ability to mix and match these players together. Again, a team that's, I mean, a lot of these teams are putting out three guards, but when the Spurs have three guards out there, you can interchange them guarding any of those first three positions Spurs definitely look good they had the loss to Philadelphia which 
came right down to the wire. Embiid, of course, playing amazing. And Simmons, that move to forwards, definitely great there in a category I don't think most people would have expected, especially coming into this bubble scenario. But the Spurs held their own. Jakob Ertl had three fouls in the second quarter and still managed to finish the game at least with some pride intact because you're facing arguably the best center in the league and you're holding your own to some extent, only losing by two. So definitely the Spurs tied right now with Portland and chasing down Memphis, who have Memphis at two. They have lost Portland on day one in overtime. A really tough game to lose, but Portland, just they look reju- rejuvenated. They got Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic back, meaning Hassan Whiteside doesn't have to play as many minutes in crunch time. They had a great, it was Lillard, McCollum, Gary Trent Jr., Carmelo Anthony, and Yusuf Nurkic out there, and it was a group that looks like in a playoff series, that's your closing group, and that I think that would have to scare a team like the Lakers. Although it's LeBron and Anthony Davis, we'll get to them. They're very high on this list, but it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk for whoever gets that eight seed because of how hard they're already playing playoff games. From day one, playoff games galore. Uh, So, yeah, Memphis loses to Portland. They lost San Antonio, another close one, where at the end of the game, they just, they're a young team. You can tell they're 19, 20 years old. Like, they're all under. 25 except for Anthony Tolliver who plays a few minutes a night so you can see where a team like Portland who's been there Damian Lillard is the ultimate clutch time I mean now you can't even call clutch time you have to call it dame time and it showed Memphis had a big lead in the fourth quarter that that game went back and forth with 10 15 point leads and runs and back and forth very much felt like a college basketball game but in the end Portland was just more experienced, more poised, and then in the moment, they knew how to close over Memphis. So I think that's going to be a problem. Also, Memphis lost to New Orleans. Again, Zion Williamson Williamson playing a lot more, but for Memphis, you still have a two-game lead. At this point, if you keep losing these games to the teams that are chasing you, you're going to have to play in that play-in game. You only have to win one, but if you lose one, that's a game seven pressures on. And even if they don't win that for the future and getting John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and games like that, Dylan Brooks, having them be in a do or die game seven type of scenario, I think is going to be good for them to get that experience. But that that race to the end. So then we'll go to Portland, who they have the win over Memphis in overtime they lost to Boston, who will get to Boston, but going into that game, I don't think teams were expecting Portland coming off a big win and Boston coming off a big loss where they lost to Milwaukee. I don't think a lot of people were expecting Portland to really keep that momentum. So Portland now tonight. Tonight, 9 p.m., TNT, they play the Rockets, who have looked really good. They're high up on this list in terms of the teams that I think are going far. And it's going to be a test, for sure. Harden Harden and Westbrook are, are a problem. But also, you know what? So are these trailblazers. Damian Lillard 
people remember the shot from OKC last year where he ended the Westbrook Paul George era. But also that was the second series winner he made. The other one was against the Rockets. And barely gets the shot off in time. It was game five, game six, and buzzer beater. And that's what really made everyone think, oh, this guy is a clutch time player. That race though, it's definitely going to be it it's intense. It's it's playoff atmospheres every time these teams play. And that's when we'll move on to the playoff teams next year. So we had uh oh fringe playoff teams. So playoff teams we've got Orlando, they got a win over Brooklyn, win over Sacramento. A very solid team. Just uh nobody amazing. They did lose Jonathan Isaac. He tore his ACL will not will not be returning. I don't know if he's he must have left the bubble for surgery, which means his next season could be in jeopardy. At least he maybe he could be back late in the season, but you never know how people are going to respond to these. If you, once you're tearing an ACL and Achilles something like that, you don't know how you're going to come back, and that's a big blow for a Magic team that is great on defense. They've got Fournier and Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, a team that has definitely developed into a three-point shooting team more than I would expect, but a team that would technically have the home court advantage sits in the seventh seed right now, half game up on Brooklyn. I don't think Brooklyn's really like really going to catch them. Orlando kind of asserted their dominance in their win against Brooklyn and Sacramento. I think they've put themselves in a tier in this tier with just a sol- as a solid playoff team. And... Another solid playoff team up next was the Oklahoma City Thunder, who in their first game, they beat the Utah Jazz. And in their second game, they lost to the Denver Nuggets by eight, giving up a career-high 37 points to Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic having a triple-double. was in overtime, which is good that they pushed them that far. But as a playoff team who just who's missing Dennis Schroeder, who left the bubble due to the birth birth of his child, which you never are going to criticize anyone for leaving for an important reason like that. But they sit in the sixth seed right now, and playoffs started today, which is always the scenario you like to think of. They have to play Denver again. And I think Adams and Jokic is a good matchup, but overall I think Denver has, has the big advantage, and OKC trying to play those three guards at once are going to be a problem once Denver unleashes a group of Murray and Barton and uh, Michael Porter, in in which case you have a small forward in the way of one of those guards. But for now, OKC looks solid. They're two and a half games up on Dallas, who will get to Dallas. Seeing Seeing how they've played, they're a solid playoff team, but that group there, this five, six, seven seed, you don't really know. They're a little unpredictable. Just like the Indiana Pacers, who are up next. Five seed in the West right now. They're game up on Philly, a game back of Miami. And this is when we get to talk about the MVP of the bubble. Although in the scrimmages, they did lose Sabonis. Demata Sabonis, which is a huge loss. An all-star this year and a real piece for that team when... If you're closing that game and you don't want Miles Turner out there, he can play a small ball center, which is 
a role that people probably don't think about a lot, but that's a big loss for their team. But and maybe it doesn't matter because they have a guy who's averaging 43 points a game, and it's the last person a lot of people would expect, especially if you were Jimmy Butler. Because TJ Warren scores 53 points against the 76ers, outdueling Joel Embiid, who had 41 and 21. And he comes back in game two against the Wizards, who again, not really a playoff team, but still 34 and 11 rebounds. This He's clearly used his time off well. He is ready to go. And I think the Pacers sit in that five seed right now and in a playoff series. I would love the playoffs to start today and have a Miami-Indiana first round. Just TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler going at it for four to seven games. Absolutely. You can sign pretty much any basketball fan up for that. So I got Indiana and I got Utah who won over New Orleans, lost to Oklahoma City. And I believe those were their two games. A team who you're missing Bogdanovich, who 20 point scorer, second leading scorer on that team. That's a it's a big problem. Oh, and last night they lost to the Lakers, uh, one one sixteen one oh eight, which is pretty is pretty good for this Jazz team who I wasn't expecting much from losing your second highest scorer. They play the Grizzlies coming up tomorrow, which will be definitely a test for this Jazz team, but also the Grizzlies who are fighting for that eight seed, and the Jazz are sitting right now in the. They're sitting in the five seed, but Oklahoma City's on their tail. They're half game back at Houston, but Houston is playing solid, and we'll get to them. But Utah definitely is going a big piece for Utah. Utah, who I never—not that I never thought he'd be this kind of player—but uh, like energy, especially in this environment, you don't have fans, so you need that energy from somewhere. For Utah, it's been Jordan Clarkson, a great scorer off the bench. He gives Donovan Mitchell a few minutes off. You can play him with Connolly or with Mitchell if you need to and just an old like not a great defensive player but just as a scorer he's someone you want on the floor for sure and going into the playoffs if you have to play Houston they have Gobert Gobert is a he is a legitimate problem for Houston on the offensive end defensively they're going to run Westbrook basically as their center to the basket and try to get shooters open it's a pretty basic concept but not basic I don't want to say basic like I would know but that's what their plan is Westbrook isn't as as isn't as effective as a three-point shooter and we saw it this year where Westbrook would go at Gobert he wouldn't hesitate there there would be contact at the rim and you wouldn't really expect the six foot four six foot three guard to be going at the six ten seven foot plus center but he did, and it was just no fear, no hesitation. So Utah, I'm definitely worried about. I think they could definitely fall to the sixth seed in which they'd have to play Denver, which center matchup, that's fine, but the rest of that team, I, don't, I just don't think they have enough scoring to keep up with Denver, especially if they're going to start playing Bull Bull more, which I think a lot of people would hope for and expect, although he is young and you're trying to develop him for, develop him for the future. Which where we get to Dallas. I have Dallas as the top playoff team in the in, in the category of playoff team watching them they 
they don't look Luka Zoncic and Kristaps Porzingis are great they're great players a great duo for years to come and they're carrying that team but their secondary scoring isn't there and they can't close out games everybody's hearing this now where their percentages at crunch time of games are abysmal they're horrible they can't close out games they lost they lost to Houston in overtime they had 10 point lead with about five minutes left and blew that game and in overtime they've looked completely overmatched and then they went and lost to Phoenix who although I've been very impressed with Phoenix it was mostly because Dallas couldn't close out that game and that's a problem especially come playoff time they're currently the seventh seed you'd play the Clippers and the uh, they're pretty solid in the seventh seed because I don't think they're jumping ahead of Oklahoma City so you're pretty locked into that Clipper series where once the playoffs come they're gonna have Harold back they're gonna have Lou Williams back so how do they really stop them Dallas's main point of winning is just trying to outscore the other team and I think that's gonna be a big problem for them but for now they have time to develop and they head this category for now once we come back Friday we'll see where they are how they're doing if they have improved in any sort of way because Seth Curry had a great script the first scrimmage game where he couldn't miss for the first couple games he couldn't miss he was such a good scorer but defensively the team is lackluster at best so they had the playoffs team so got uh oh fringe playoffs now we've got the contenders these are not the top teams these are just they can basically the contenders to the contenders in which I got Philly at the bottom of that group lost to Indiana again Embiid Simmons solid or Embiid amazing Simmons solid as that team should run and then a very close win against San Antonio again Embiid there aren't many centers that can really hold him down and he's really seeing that that he can step out and take threes and he can just body people down low especially over the years he's gotten so much bigger so much stronger where him and Simmons together are very good front court tandem and going into their next few games I'm definitely looking for them to jump up I mean not that we really want them to jump up right now they'd play Boston which would be a great first round series of Tatum versus Embiid and who can cover Embiid is it going to be Tice who's covering Simmons who's covering Tatum I think that's just a great all-around series like we saw the last couple years that they've been playing each other two division rivals who you would think everyone thought I definitely thought Philly would be in the top three in the east this year I wasn't expecting Milwaukee be that good or be as good losing Brogdon I thought was would have been a bigger loss for them but yeah I got Philly Philly in the bottom spot and then I got Denver, who lost to Miami fourth quarter where Kelly Olynyk was the killer, scored 20 points all in the fourth quarter. And they come back and beat OKC in overtime. Michael Porter Jr. scores 37, and Jokic has a triple-double. I think not seeing Murray is definitely an issue. They're pretty – they're the three-seed, seed, but they're a game and a half back of the Clippers, and – the longer they don't have Lou Will and Montrez Harrell is your better chance of trying to go get them. And I think having, obviously they started the scrimmages with that Franken lineup of Jerry and Grant, Millsap, Jokic, and Bull Bull, and Plumlee, who they started three centers, which I think is ridiculous enough of that Plumlee 
the shortest out of the or he might be taller than Jokic, but Yo or Plumlee takes the tip. Jokic is playing point guard and Bull Bull is listed as a forward, which is hilarious. And I think especially they wouldn't I don't think they'd have to play Houston come playoff time, but for now that lineup if you put that lineup together it is definitely a scary group that I don't think many people would want to see. They're playing the Spurs coming up next who I think are gonna be a great test for them. And yeah, I think Den- Denver's just a solid playoff team. I think they're s- still young and still inexperienced to beat any of those top flight teams, which is why I have why I have Miami next, who just beat Denver, lost to Toronto yesterday, and they've again a lot of these teams look really good. The sh- shooting is definitely, I'd say, not even better than regular NBA games, but pe- players have definitely talked about the sight lines your depth of perception of a regular nba arena compared to these gyms which you can't call them arenas they're literally gyms with virtual fan boards around but miami is just they fought in that toronto game they really tried to show that they were not necessarily the better team but they were there to play and i think miami shows that their intensity their three-point shooting duncan robinson and tyler hero are great off pick and roll big deep three and especially when you need that kind of energy a deep three like that can really swing your team I think their their problem is relying on Jimmy Butler because he's the veteran he's the guy that's been there before so it's it's tough to not go to him going into those last possessions you know Butler's getting the ball you know he's the one that's calling for the ball when Adebayo or Goran Dragic had a great game yesterday but you know at the end of the game Butler's getting the ball. No matter how much he's scored, no matter how many shots he's missed, he's getting the ball at the end of the game, and I think teams know that. And definitely a high-pressure defensive team is going to know that, and they're going to know that they can not necessarily leave someone else open, but they know they can go double Butler and make him make the play. And more often than not in his career, he's been unable to make that play. So then I got... So yeah, Philly, Denver, Miami, and I got Houston next, who impressive win over Dallas, an impressive win over Milwaukee, especially with James Harden guarding Giannis for stretches of that game. Houston's look really good at shooting, uh, the epitome of the three-point shooting team, and I think they're bound to their the four seed right now. They're two and a half games back at Denver. I think they have a chance, especially if Denver kind of slips a little bit I think they're gonna jump up and if not then they're playing Utah OKC in the first round and I don't think those teams especially offensively can really hang with them and that small ball that small ball not having a center is actually working for them and having PJ Tucker guard centers is actually working and I think especially in that Milwaukee game they showed how obviously offensively they can explode and hit a bunch of threes and I think defensively, they're very underrated. They're a solid defensive team. Whoever one gives James Harden, <clears throat> they give James Harden crap for not playing defense. But when he really tries, he's a good defender. And he's still playing himself into shape. That's what he has those eight games for. He's someone who definitely in those first couple ga- in these first couple games doesn't look like he's in the best shape. But I think he's taking this time to get in the best shape he can possibly be because come round two 
you're going to have to play an L.A. team, most likely. So I think that's going to be really interesting, especially with just how unpredictable this could be. You don't, ha- you don't have any idea who could get sick or get hurt. It's just such a weird place to be. But after Houston, I think very impressive. Next team up, I got Boston, who I, I could talk about. Boston got, I'm not going to say completely screwed, but against Milwaukee, lose to Milwaukee. But at the end of the game, Giannis should have fouled out twice. He kind of elbow Tice, I think, or elbow, forearm, something Tice in the stomach, which they looked at it for a flagrant foul an intent to injure and then decided it wasn't and it wasn't a foul at all I think that was really really sketchy especially for the league to be like oh maybe we do want we want Giannis still in this game it's a ESPN game the league's just coming back and I think Boston really got screwed there besides the fact that Tatum was terrible shot two for 18 and really didn't look good until he got a haircut and there's an old there's a video of him from the season saying that he's top five in the league when he gets a haircut which I think is amazing because he gets a haircut and comes out against Portland scores 34 and leads them to a win which I think really solidified them as that three seed I I, at this point don't really know if they're playing today Miami and Boston but I don't think Miami is going to catch them and I think they're bound to that three seed because I also don't think they're catching Toronto so Again, they have these games now to once you're pretty locked into your spot, you can kind of pick them. You can pick the minutes that you want for your top players. And this this it's a it's a good team. It's a team that's very interchangeable. They have a lot of six, seven, six, eight guys. Even their center isn't that much taller than Tatum or Jalen Brown. Kemba Walker's. He's looked okay. I think that knee thing is definitely a problem, especially come playoff time when it's every other day. Luckily, there's no travel. You're just in your hotel waiting to practice and play. But I think his knee issue is going to become a problem once they get to the second round, or even if they have to play Philly in the first round, I think that becomes a problem. And if they move on, I think those other teams are going to expose them even more. So Boston heads up the contenders, and now we got the title contenders, which we've got... The top four teams, everyone expects them to be here. It's more of just the rankings of where I have them. Because at four, I got the Clippers, lost to the Lakers, historic shooting performance against New Orleans. This team is good, but you don't see the fact that they were still in that Lakers game and it came down to the last possession, I think is very telling more of the Clippers than the Lakers. Because the Clippers are missing Lou Williams, Montrose Harrell, who Lou Williams came is back in the bubble quarantining. Harold, we haven't heard word of when he's coming back or if he's coming back. But then they show up against New Orleans. Everybody shows up and down to the last guy on the bench, emptying out your bench in a blowout game, and they're still hitting three-pointers at the end of the game. I think the Clippers are really good, but I think they're four right now because it's you don't know when and where these guys are going to come back. At three, I've got Toronto, who very impressive wins. Two, the Lakers, who Lakers have their worst shooting performance of the season. And then yesterday against Miami, they really 
they showed up all around. Nobody had well, Fred Van Vliet scores career high, thirty six points, thirty seven points, which very impressive. Which going into the third quarter, he hits the sixth, fifth or sixth three of the game, and I'm thinking, how many points does he have? He has to be their leading scorer. And even at the end of the game, they know Jimmy Butler's getting the ball, and he gets into that passing lane, steals the ball, top five in the league, and steals. This is the most underrated team in basketball and I think everybody now especially after that that Lakers game is realizing how good this team is especially without a finals MVP without a real true superstar they just really play as a team and I'm very impressed with them which is when we move on to the Lakers at two because we're going to give Milwaukee their due we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt right now Lakers beat the Clippers, came down to the wire. LeBron James didn't play that well. Anthony Davis put on the Kareem goggles in practice after getting poked in the eye in the scrimmage, and I think he might have actually put Kareem's goggles on because he looks amazing, dominant. The only, I'd say, so far in the bubble, the second-best big man besides Joel Embiid, for sure, without a doubt. And... This Lakers team gonna, is going to go as far as these two take them. They have Rondos out for the next two months, they think. Broken finger. So it's really going to come down to LeBron and Anthony Davis to really carry this team. And Kuzma is, I guess, their third scorer. Caruso, they have a lot of solid pieces, but come playoff time, come... Second round, Western Conference Finals, are those guys all going to be ready to perform the way they are now? And that's what that's what the fun part of the rest of these games are, is figuring that out. And that's when we move on. Number one, Milwaukee. Again, kind of got lucky against Boston that Giannis didn't follow, foul out at the end of the game. Chris Middleton's still one of the most underrated players in the league, even though he's on the best team in the league at least record-wise. They beat Boston. They lose to Houston. But I think we still have to just give them the benefit of the doubt that they're the best team in the league right now. They have the best record. They had it coming in. They still have Giannis, who, in my opinion, he's going to be the MVP again. So I think we give them their credit. So going back, Washington, Sacramento, almost in the category. I almost wanted to call it, why are you even there? But that felt a little mean. Then we got Brooklyn, New Orleans, Phoenix, San Antonio, Memphis, Portland, all the fringe playoff teams who are still all in the running, at least for now. Got the playoff teams, not necessarily in love with the order. Orlando, OKC, Indiana, Utah, Dallas. Contenders, Philly, Denver, Miami, Houston, Boston. And then those title contenders are going to be those four until Houston, I think, can get up there if they really keep blowing, not blowing teams out, but keep shooting and playing defense the way that they are. Then we got the Clippers, Toronto, the Lakers, Milwaukee. So I think these last few games are going to be figuring out where they are, obviously where they are heading into the playoffs, but who they have to face I think is going to be a big issue because Milwaukee, they get to play Brooklyn in the first round, although they're playing right now and it's a very close game. But Toronto playing Orlando is definitely a bigger issue than Milwaukee who's going to be favored by... 15 20 points every game and Toronto who's going to have to fight against Orlando who've come really who've come back very solid after their shutdown whatever you want to call it pause so yeah that's 
the NBA update. We're about 40 minutes in, so let's move on to the NHL. NHL, definitely, I don't want to say I've paid more attention, but it's definitely been on more often. When the NBA, it's, it's easier to catch up than compared to the NHL. So we got Rangers and Hurricanes. They've played two games. Game three is also today. But this series, I think the series is over. Game one was a 3-2 win for the Hurricanes. It sounds a lot closer than it was. Peter Morazic has looked really good. Henrik Lundqvist has looked shaky at best. I think the Rangers, their real move right now is to put in Igor Shosturkin to change, just change some of the momentum. Just some of it. it doesn't Even if he loses game three... It's good playoff experience for everyone, and I think the Rangers come back really solid next year. But for right now, I don't think they're in the series. They could win. I've, at the beginning, I I thought the Rangers could steal a game. If they stole a game early, that they could have a chance to upset. But I don't think this is much, much of a series, and but most likely is over today, which is when we move on to Chicago-Edmonton, which that game won. Chicago's been really shaky in the playoffs the last few years, but I don't know what what happened to them today, what happened to them the last uh, during that pause, restart, shutdown, whatever, whatever point we're at now. But that game won. It's six four final score. But it wasn't it wasn't really that close. It never felt that close. They scored four goals in the first period and Dominic Kubalik, who gets five points in this game and out well, he almost outpoints McDavid and Dreisaitl together, who are two of the best players in this league, which is just, it's it's hilarious. They come back in game two. They come back and win in game two, but still just pulling up the score, 6-3. McDavid scores 19 seconds and four minutes into the game, and you could just tell once he gets up top speed, you're not really stopping him. So I think this series is, I think at this point it's bound to five. I think this deserves to be a five-game series, especially the way that they've really balanced each other out in the first couple games, and they look really evenly matched. And it's definitely been my favorite series to watch so far. Which is when we move on to the Islanders and Panthers. I think they're currently playing game two. Game one was a 2-1 Islanders win. And the Panthers just, if they don't get a near-perfect performance from Sergei Bobrovsky, then I think they're in trouble. And I think the Islanders, again, who scored for them? Pajot and Bouvillier. Like, it's not Barzell and Andres Lee. It's not the top guys that have to score for them. I think their goaltending, they went with Varlama for game one. I don't think they could have made a mistake because I think both of their guys are 1A, 1B capability. So... I think the Islanders are ultimately going to come out from the series and win. But if the Panthers, if Sergei Bobrovsky, because we've seen it before, it's why he has this big contract. If he has a performance like he has in the past, the Panthers can definitely steal a game or two and make this a series. But for now, I think the Islanders are pretty set. Which is then we move on to Montreal-Pittsburgh from day one, which is day one is the Blackhawks score the Hurricanes make sense. Blackhawks blow out the Oilers, even though they won by two, but it was a blowout. It was 4-1, 5-2 at points. Wasn't really that close. Panthers, Islanders make sense. 
Montreal beats Pittsburgh in overtime. I thought Pittsburgh was so unlucky that they that they lost because they had Crosby, Russ score, and Montreal had Kotkaniemi and Suzuki score. Jeff Petrie scores in overtime on a very unlucky bounce for Pittsburgh. But then they came back in game two. They won 3-1, and just it looked like the top seed that had to play in the qualifying round, playing against the bottom seed in that game. Pittsburgh really stepped up their game and dominated. I really think that if Pittsburgh had lost this game, they should go to Tristan Jari, but Matt Murray has been playing. He played. He didn't play bad in game one, played really well in game two. Same with Carey Price. This goaltending duel has been really, really entertaining. And I think Pittsburgh winning that game gets their momentum. I don't, I don't think Montreal wins another game, but if they do, a game five in that series is it's tight it's all the pressure on the world is on pittsburgh they're the team that was almost in they could have been in the round robin and now they have to go to game five against this young montreal team who has nothing to lose i think that's the worst case scenario for pittsburgh but for now i think pittsburgh winning that game you get a game and you get to breathe exhale less pressure and i think they ultimately win the series which is when we move on to the Jets and Flames, which we had the controversy with Matthew Kachuk, which he was hitting him. I don't really see why his foot needed to come, why it needed to come up in the process of the hit. I don't think he intentionally lifted his foot to say, I want to cut this guy's Achilles or try to, but I think the Jets losing their number one center, they they lose game one, four, one, and didn't really look... They opened the scoring, but gave up four unanswered. Hellebuck still looks great and is one of the best goalies in this league. But they came back in game two, no Shifley, no Patrick Laine, and they really showed up. They really were prepared to play for their teammate, which I hope we see both of those guys back in the series because it makes it a lot more interesting, especially that I'm surprised Kachuk didn't answer the bell. He answered the bell in game one, but game two not as many fireworks obviously after the whistle there's always going to be scrums but overall I thought it was pretty pretty tame but the Jets definitely showed up in a big way and with that 3-2 win I thought it was 3-1 3-2 Lindholm Bennett scored for Calgary and then Jensen Harkins who I have to say watching these playoffs there have been at least five or six goals that look identical of a player going down on his like on wing on his like wing of his shooting side and just placing the puck perfectly either perfectly top corner or just under the goalie's shoulder just under the goalie's arm armpit and just doesn't seem fair and Harkins was one of those and then Lowry Ehlers one goal in each period and I think this series is bound for five I think Hellebuck's gonna stand on his head and definitely take one of these next two games and I think Calgary has definitely looked good. I wasn't expecting them to play Cam Talbot, but they have definitely been a solid group all around. Which is when we move on to that was the end end of the day one series. And day two is when we saw the first round robin, but I'm gonna go through all of the qualifying round before we talk about these round robin games, which is Arizona, Nashville playing game I believe they're playing game one, game two right now. Game one ended 4-3. Arizona looked really good. 
Philip Forsberg got a couple goals for Nashville, but I think Arizona really outplayed them. I think it was a, Nashville had their choice, and I talked about it last time, but Nashville had their choice in net, and I think losing that game like that, I think you just you stick with your goalie, and if you lose another one, then you make the switch. I don't think you do it based off a 4-3 game that you had a chance in the third period to tie the game up. I don't think you blame your goalie for that one. So game two right now, and again, these are all just because it's not like all of these games are eight nine matchups. This is, I believe, this is the six. This is a six eleven matchup. And Arizona, like if you didn't see the seeds, you wouldn't know who was the higher seed for sure. The next two games are the round robin games. We'll get to those. Toronto loses two nothing in game one, and it was just the perfect game for Columbus. Just clogging up the neutral zone it felt like the 2000s new jersey devils where whoever scored first was going to was going to win and it took one you can't even call it a mistake but just one miscue line change gives cam atkinson enough room to score on anderson under the shoulder a minute five into the third period then the empty netter basically just a one a one nothing win with an empty netter it basically should be counted like that i think for toronto they need to they need to score early in game two because they need Columbus to start. They need Columbus to have to score with them. If not, they're just going to plug up the neutral zone and they're going to be stuck in these one nothing 2-1 games. And that plays right into Columbus's hands, which you can't do that if you're Toronto. And the amount of high skill and speed guys that they have, they should be able to, they should be able to score, especially Austin Matthews almost scored 50 goals this year and, the season shut down in March. Definitely going to be that's all. Of, I'm I'm probably going to say every series was the most interesting, but definitely not the most entertaining game. But definitely a, a great setup game one for the rest of the series, which is when we move on to Minnesota beats Vancouver three nothing. Kevin Fiala scored that power play goal three seconds into a power play, and again right under Markstrom's arm I think Vancouver is in a lot of trouble because they just they have all their pressure they're the higher seed Minnesota looks like they're playing loose they're playing really strong and Vancouver looks like a young team that isn't exactly sure of themselves I don't think their goaltending is the problem I just think in game one they kind of need to do what Toronto did you're a young team that's high scoring you score an early goal and you make you make Minnesota and for Toronto you have to make Columbus make them have to make plays and have to try to keep up with you instead of playing into their hands. So I think that's definitely a concern for Vancouver, especially a team that bought at the trade deadline and looks like they're trying to make a run. And Alex Daylock is definitely not who people, I definitely didn't assume he would, I didn't remember he would be in their net. And then when they said he'd been the starter ever since he'd been there over Dubnik, I thought that was, tedious but also Dubnik had the one year where he was a Vezina Trophy nominee and after that hasn't looked that solid which is when we've had so far four round robin games so these games just seeding for the top four teams in each conference game one was Philly Boston and Boston didn't have Tuka Rask and they had guys throughout their phase three training camp that weren't able to play, weren't able to practice, unfit to play as the NHL is calling it, and they won't let us know of any other, any injuries officially. 
which is annoying, but the Flyers just, they look really good. They have a lot of high-end high skill in their top six, but once their bottom six are out there, they don't look like they really are that far behind their top two lines. They're not as skilled, but they work a lot harder, and they're digging for pucks, and even their defense, Pro Robin Niskin and another top pair, but any pair that you put out there, whether it's Sanheim, Philip Myers, or Robert Hag and uh, Justin Braun, any if any of them are out there, they're they all are doing their they're all doing their jobs right. And Carter Hart is twenty one years old and looks like Harry Price. He has the calmness, the demeanor, and I think this Flyers team, especially being the four seed, you have a, a big theme of this playoff so far has been. You have nothing to lose, so just play your hearts out. And obviously Boston not having Tuka Rask won't. Puts a bit, not not an asterisk, but they definitely wasn't their full strength team. And it, it showed. Their goal came from Chris Wagner, who as as I watched that game in the third period, I realized I'm like, oh yeah, like Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and Pasternak are all playing, and they've done absolutely nothing. They were silent. They were quiet. And they have these three games before they have to get into elimination-type games to figure this out. Because if they don't, they're going to be the three or four seed, and they might have to end up playing a team like Pittsburgh, who I think they'll give them a lot of problems. The other round-robin game from the first day was Colorado-St. Louis, which felt it felt like a playoff game. David Prawn scores a power play goal in the first period. Colorado scores the next two to win the game. But it was just such a tightly contested game where... Kadri score or Ryan Graves scores in the third period off a he fanned on a pass and then had a wide open shooting lane because he had I think it was McKinnon Rantanen on or or might have been Landis Cog there too on either side of the net so Bennington has to make a choice so am I expecting him to pass or shoot and I think I think most people if you see Ryan Graves with the puck and McKinnon and one of his line mates standing there I think you're expecting him to pass but it was a Definitely a great shot, and watching that game, it looked like it would go into overtime, and Kadri scores, and uh, not a luck, maybe an unfortunate bounce is a better way to say it, but this is definitely, a, if you're St. Louis, you definitely don't hang your head, because that was a great game, and a playoff game, and those are the type of games you need, because once once you start playing for real, or once you start playing these elimination games, you don't have time to mess around. And losing this game isn't the end of the world, but you definitely don't want to get used to losing. Which is where we get to the last two of the round robin games before uh, today. There's no round robin games as they're changing up the seating. Washington Tampa Bay was high powered and did not feel like a three two shootout game. It felt like five four. Offensively, both teams are outstanding, and Tampa Bay still without Steven Stamkos, which. I'm sure he'll be back come playoff time. But for now, five on five or three on three overtime looked amazing. I'm glad they didn't do five on five. Having a shootout in that game isn't as great. So if you're Washington, you can't really be too upset about it. But for now, those two teams are seem pretty they're deadlocked, especially playing in conference finals a couple of years ago. And Vashilevsky 
is obviously one of the top goalies in the league, but the two goals that they gave up are definitely a cause for concern because they were both given up in the same way. A shot from the point kind of bounces around Vasilevsky, ends up ends up between his legs, and he just doesn't know where it is and ends up in the back of their net two times in the second period. Obviously, one was Kuznetsov on the power play, but those are definitely other teams are going to watch that and realize, okay, this is this is our way of getting to them. If they're not blocking shots, then we're just going to keep throwing them from the point. And finally, the final game was Vegas-Dallas. High 5-3 doesn't feel as high scoring as it actually was, but Dallas came, had got a three goal, all three goals in the second period, uh, went up 3-1 going into the third, and then it was Mark Stone off the post, Nate Schmidt off the post, Carrie and William Carlson all finished them off. Carlson got the empty netter, but Vegas definitely looked really good without Max Batch ready. Chandler Stevenson scored their uh, opening goal a minute into the game as whoever was broadcasting the game was talking about how, oh, Patch Reddy isn't here, so Stevenson's filling in on that line, which I think was really impressive. Coming coming into these playoffs, again, you never know how these teams are going to show up. Vegas starts Robin Leonard over Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm sure Fleury will get a start in one of these next two games, but it's a controversy, a goalie, eh, not a goalie controversy, but definitely a goalie competition, and you have two more games to figure it out, but after that, it's it's playoffs. It's on. It's you can't can't really mess around anymore. So those have been the games so far. There's more games going on today, but uh, I'll talk about that on Friday. For now, let's just plug. Uh, you can find this podcast, uh, this whole network, on Anchor. You can find it on Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. If you want to follow me, uh, you can find me on Instagram at jack.dion, Twitter at jack underscore Dion, and I'm also still writing a blog, Daily Picks, for the MLB, NBA, and NHL, though MLB will probably be shut down in the next couple weeks. For now, though, we, we celebrate it. Uh, you can also follow the network on Instagram at Dion Family Network. Uh, you can find all of our instagrams there you can find uh meg's etchy shop uh and her youtube channel go follow subscribe up there get you some keychains and stuff like that uh other than that uh we'll see you friday for the weekly update and until next time we'll see you